The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio. From the Global News Radio studios in Toronto, with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers, here's Wolfgang Klein and Jeff Good evening, my friends. The last day of July, I can't believe it, uh, August, well, begins tomorrow. Remarkable. Uh, indeed, I tell you, um, people tend not to spend as much time on their personal finances in the middle of the summer, uh, certainly as Jack and I do. It's, it's one of those things that uh, we're continuously focusing on, and you should too. You should continuously be working, which I know you are, and you should continuously be saving and uh, depositing money into your account uh, consistently on a month-to-month basis. And there's no one who knows that better uh, than my very good friend and my uh, very personal <laughs> real estate uh, agent, uh, who's a, now a managing director and uh, broker of the Christensen Real Estate Group, Mr. Niels Christensen. Welcome back to uh, Hi-Fi Radio, my friend. How are you today? I'm doing well, Wolf. Thanks. Indeed. Well, Niels, um, here we are, middle of the summer. It's, uh, obviously, you've had a very interesting market to uh, engage in uh, as a uh, veteran uh, of the real estate community. Uh, what, what are you seeing, Niels? Just you know, bring us up to speed. What are you seeing in the marketplace? What's selling? Uh, what's not selling to yeah, be had, uh, and when, where? Sorry, Niels, is there any value to be had, and where is the value? Uh, and I say I, I throw that out because I just came back from looking at the London real estate market, contemplating perhaps uh, purchasing a uh, condo uh, for my uh, son. Uh, fortunately, we didn't have to go through that exercise, but certainly uh, big delta uh, in, in 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 values uh, in London versus Toronto, a thousand square foot condo. About three seventy uh, in London. I don't know about uh, a gazillion dollars in Toronto. So I throw it over to you. Uh, bring us up to speed in the market. Yeah, there is a big uh, change. In the, the, depending on the location, some of the condos now are selling for eleven hundred a square foot uh, in downtown market. But um, uh, Toronto is a very different market. Yeah, in yeah. Toronto for sure. Um, short question to you. Short answer to your question is. Uh, We've had a very, very, very robust uh, 2020, a really good start to 2021, and it's all COVID-related. Uh, that being said, the, the stats are out for June, and there was a slight decrease in uh, sales month over month from May to June, uh, down about 7, 7%, and, and also a slight decrease in uh, average price, about 1.7% down. I don't want to focus too much on that because it's just month over month, and in the larger picture, it doesn't it doesn't mean a lot. Uh, what I'm seeing it, it, it is consistent with what I'm seeing sort of out in the in the field. There is uh, houses are taking longer to sell than they would have um, I, I would, from the spring market for sure. But it really is uh, Wolfgang, and we've talked about this many times. It really is location specific, right? If you have a very very sought after location. Um, houses aren't taking a long time to sell, and they're still selling in uh, multiple offers, particularly in the upper end market. I see a lot of strength in uh, properties, $3 million plus. Um, so it, it's, the, the market is still quite good. We still have uh, a problem with supply. One of the things we look at is uh, what we call months of inventory, and uh, it's, it's been hovering around the one 
uh, one month of inventory mark for the last uh, year, which that translates to a very, very uh, strong seller's market. Uh, when you have about three or four months of inventory available, it shifts to a buyer's market, but we haven't seen that in the last two years. So still a very, very good uh, market for sellers, not such a great uh, time for buyers, unfortunately. Yeah, no, inventory is funny because inventory in my business uh, basically is volume. Uh, and, and I tell you, it's, it's incredible, Niels. When you see smaller cap companies, little businesses uh, begin to trade, if, if they're of interest to the market and they're small companies, they have what's called a small float, a small, there's not a lot of stock out there. And as such, those prices get distorted because uh, if you have to buy them, you, you, you'll buy them at any price. And if the shorts get on top of them, uh, they have to cover at some point, they become more distorted, which is going to cause me now to pivot a question to you because what Jack and I are witnessing there's pockets for example like the junction and and I know the junction very well I grew up uh, in Downsview and, and my mother used to work uh, in the junction at a Loblaw store in Pacific Pacific Avenue but uh, th that that part of Toronto has become uh, a regentrification zone uh, but it continues to be you know surrounded by shall I say uh, I hate to use the word less desirable, but with some seedier pockets uh, due to infrastructure, due to um, halfway houses and the likes. And that, that's, that has to be integrated to society. I'm completely supportive of that. But when it gets concentrated, as it once was in the junction, it, it can adversely affect the neighborhood, too. And that's where balance and you know, public service where it is challenged to, to, to make it work for everyone, which, again, I'm totally supportive of. But um, that, that neighborhood for 25-foot lots, Niels, you're speaking about a couple million dollars for, for homes that are not, you know, they're 80-year they're 80 home, 80-year building, 90-year-old buildings. I'm very familiar with older buildings. I'm dealing with another one. This is my third one that I've dealt with in Toronto, three homes all built in the 50s, and I've renovated every one of them. This is the third round. Uh, so when, when you buy a home that's 80, 90 years, you've got a lot of work to do uh, on it. And, and for a $2 million price point, I don't see a lot of value there. But where I do see value in the market and stuff that's not moving, um, again, is in the higher end market, i.e. here in Etobicoke. Uh, beautiful big lots uh, with big structures that can take quite a while. Now, again, we're talking perhaps $4 million plus, but it's that higher end stuff that doesn't seem to trade. I've seen homes, okay, now we're talking $5 million, but that, that, that's only double the home in Pacific, yet you're ending up with five times the lot, three times the building in a much better neighborhood. And it sits on the market often for years on end, hence it's mispriced. Uh, and I, I therefore think this whole neighborhood I live in right now, Niels, and you, you live in the well in the West End of Tobacco with me, I think it's an underpriced market. Uh, but you cross that Humber River and prices seem to drop by five, six hundred thousand dollars, eight hundred thousand dollars. So can you speak to that, Niels? Yeah, it, it, it's actually a, a really interesting observation. One of the things I've learned from you and uh, you handling our investment portfolio is to stay with the tried and true, you know, those blue chip companies. I call uh, areas like the Junction and uh, Blue West Village, Leaside, so on. They, they seem to have sort of a, a trendy uh, appeal to them. And I'm not saying they're bad locations. I think they represent very, very good locations uh, for many people with respect to the amenities that are available in those locations. But you're right. When I look at what you can get uh, sort of west of the Humber River, and you've mentioned it, you know, the bigger lots, bigger houses, uh, et cetera, et cetera, um, you wonder why somebody is paying $2 million for an 80-year-old house. 
even if you can walk to the subway and there's good schools and so on, it's a, it's a ton of money. I think the issue it becomes it, it boils down to affordability. There's a lot less people, percentage-wise, that can afford three or four million dollars that can afford you know Certainly. two million dollars. It's remarkable to me because I remember when I started my career in real estate, one of the very first listings I had was on a street called Mariah Street, which is in the junction, and it backs onto the the railway. And I and those properties now semi-detached are fetching over a million dollars unrenovated. Wow, you know. Oh. Wow! And, uh, and if, I, if I recall, we the, the, that that's uh, the junction backing onto the railway, hence Hogtown, correct? Where they used to slaughter pigs uh, yeah. in the city, as far as if I, if I recall correctly. Um, no, it, 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 I really have to scratch my head on that. Uh, and, and the question is, where, you know, where does it go from here? And there's a few pockets. Um, what's the one out in the east end? Uh, is it not Lee Side? Um, I think a Pleasant View. Uh, Work with me, Niels. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, so do you, Jack. Wrong guy there. I, I, I've never sold a house east of Young Street, so I'm not familiar with the uh, Oh, that's funny. It's a very well-known Brad, location. Brad, Brad, Brad Lamb hasn't sold a condo north of Bloor Street. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, 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 you're picking quadrants, hey, guys. Um, but again, Jack, how about up where you are? You're up in uh, Aurora Newmarket area. And again, look at stuff in Vaughan. I'm seeing a bit of a cap in pricing at about 1.2, but you get yourself you know, a, a nice packet for 1.2. It's, uh, do, do you agree with me? Again, a bit of a disconnect there. Well, getting back to what Neil said, it, it goes it's back to affordability. And, you know, people move up to a new market or Aurora, and that's where I moved initially as my first home. Uh, and it's because I wanted a bit more land. I wanted a two-car garage. Uh, and at the time, you know, my house was selling for like $500,000. Uh, those houses now, it's on a 50-foot lot by 100, um, probably about 2,500 square feet. But they're selling for over a million bucks, 1.2, 1.3. Um, but, you know, those are not first-time home buyers now buying those houses because they're just, uh, they've got so stretched that it's, it's difficult to get that down payment. And that's what we're seeing with a lot of our clients. Um, that's one of the biggest concerns that they have is, you know, their kids, how are they going to be able to afford a house, a, a detached house, their first-time home um, anywhere relatively close to the city? Because, you know, I'm in Newmarket and it's still an hour commute to get down to the office. Yeah. Well, so, so here's a move. And Niels, again, I want to talk about this because it matters. We all love our children uh, as much as they may drive us crazy. I know my do, maybe yours don't, but my, my kids drive me crazy. Okay, I confess. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, still, I still love them so much. And I, I want the best for my children. I also want them to have skin in the game. That, that's a philosophical discussion that we will we'll take off air. But uh, as I indicated, my, my son was requiring accommodations. He uh, almost missed the deadline. Well, did miss the deadline for um, a student housing, and so now he was. We we're looking off campus. Um, and again, I said, "Okay, you're gonna have some skin in the game." He has some money saved, my son. Um, but he, here's what I learned: uh, he's 17, and so therefore, if uh, I were to purchase a, uh, a condo for him or help him with a down payment on the condo, uh, legally, a 17-year-old cannot enter into contract. And therefore, legally, a 17-year-old cannot purchase real estate. And legally, a 17-year-old cannot hold a mortgage. Uh, and therefore, uh, issues like land transfer tax, title transfer, uh, additional legal come into the equation. Um, so how are you finding clients dealing with the situation who want to help their children with student accommodation? Because I'm sure you've had examples of, of clients doing that, Niels. Uh, and how do they handle the ownership issue? Well, the ownership issue is handled simply that, you know, they, they buy it in their name, right? And then they they can do a transfer of the ownership when when the time is appropriate. And 
if, if you talk to the uh, financial people or accounting people, they, there's a way that you can transfer ownership for love and natural affection without paying all kinds of uh, land transfer taxes and so on. But uh, I know with my own, I have two sons, and with my own sons, uh, one of them owns property, the other one still rents. Um, yeah, you have to help them. We, we we joke a lot about it in our industry is the bank of mom and dad, and not everybody is able to help their children financially. But uh, thankfully, we were able to help both of them. One of them chose to put the money into his business, and which kind of got sucked into a big black hole. The other one bought a condo downtown, and over five or six years, saw his equity uh, increase, and now he just bought uh, a detached home down in the Alderwood area, which. It, you talk about hot little locations in the West End. Well, that's one of them. Mimico, New Toronto, Alderwood. Historically, it used to be a blue class, a blue collar working class yep. neighborhood, and now you're paying, you know, two million dollars for a house down there. Yeah, no, my brother-in-law lives down there, uh, close to the old Campbell Soup uh, factory, oh, yeah. and uh, it, it's it's, it's a, a nice little location. district. Well, it's a nice location, uh, indeed it is. And again, the 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 Lake Ontario real estate waterfront in this city of ours that's an interesting discussion as well i know that you have some experience selling lakefront property in toronto uh it's a fun discussion uh you know we love our homes um but you know we're seeing the uh challenges uh for for new entrants into the marketplace but a uh, quick break get right back to the show uh global news 640 in toronto money. let's take a break but after wolf and jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money you're listening to hi-fi radio from global news radio 640 toronto you are listening to a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Two cats in the yard, not with coyotes, my friends. Nope. No, that's food for coyotes. Oh, indeed. Hey, the pandemic we have to deal with from COVID to coyotes. Uh, you know something? Uh, living things all deserve a space as far as I'm concerned. Not COVID per se, but certainly coyotes deserve some space. And uh, whose backyard is it? Ours or theirs, eh? I think it's theirs. We're here temporary. So we're there. It's all temporary. We don't own anything, my good friends. We are renters, mere mortal renters of whatever it is we think it belongs to us, it doesn't. And uh, it's funny, I, I, uh, the home I live in right now, I, I'm becoming friends with the previous owner, and they own the home for 20 years. And I said, you know, uh, your home, my home, neither. Uh, I'm going to be in this home for probably 20 years, and then around the corner, there'll be a six-foot hole for me, and away we go. And it'll be someone else's home. But uh, I give it a lot of love and care indeed. I love homes. I'm a home guy. And uh, yeah, I do love my home. And uh, Niels Christensen, of course, was the man who uh, helped me purchase this home. Uh, I will say, Niels, you did an amazing job at negotiating the deal. Um, uh, that, that is huge value. That's critical value to the entire equation. Um, you know, it's hard to put a dollar figure on negotiating deals. Um, but it's important uh, how you set the stage. You being an ex-police officer, um, yeah, I can, I can see <laughs> your ability to <laughs> extract information from your suspects. So uh, kudos to you, my friend. Um, well, I, always, I, I always find it funny that you, you always, when we talk about negotiation, you always sort of tease me and say, oh, that you're such an ex-cop. 
Well, yeah. Uh, well, let's say, why not? Uh, I'm an ex-radio guy, right? Uh, which I'm very, very it proud helped. of. It. And, and, and you should be very proud of your, your former career, right? One of Toronto's yeah. finest. But, so you should be very, I know you're proud of it. Uh, you learned a lot from it. You, uh, and you just, you know, moved on. You pivoted careers, as did I. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, Niels, what, what I find interesting about you, because uh, you, you dealt with the struggles of, of, of building a business uh, at a very difficult time uh, when interest rates, ladies and gentlemen, listening to this show right now, listen to what I'm going to say. When interest rates were 12, 14, 15%, did I say 12? I did. Did I say 15? I did. Did I say 18? Yes. Interest rates were 18% at one point in time. So respect where they have been. Perhaps one day they shall return, which means be careful for how much debt you're taking on. Uh, again, quick math, uh, a, a student housing exercise for my son. I think I was able to borrow uh, about $300,000 for roughly $1,200 a month. The first home I purchased, Niels, uh, the, the mortgage on $150,000 was, I, I think, 1200 bucks a month. Uh, so, uh, you know, well, it, it's just the math. Uh, math is incredible. We have to pay attention to math and interest rates and compounding. And, and mortgage basically is compounding in reverse. Wolfgang, we can talk about rates because I remember buying my first home and paying 19%. And yeah. uh, now I have buyers moaning about the fact that they can't do better than 1.75%. I sure wish on the investment side we were seeing 19% now, but, you know, back when I bought a house, it was uh, very, very, very expensive. That was for sure. Well, again, Niels, I'll I'll throw it right back to you from an investment portfolio point of view. When interest rates were 18%, you didn't have to worry about buying stocks. All you need to do is buy a bond, a piece of debt, in other words, a mortgage-backed security. And so I, the investor, could have lent, it to, lent money to the mortgage market, which then would have lent it to a, a home purchaser and generate a 12, 13, 14% return. Hence, today, with interest rates being virtually zero, savers, I'm not going to say they're penalized, or they're just victim to a lack of inflation and deflation and excess money. Uh, savers cannot generate a return in the bond market. Therefore, savers must own an asset like a stock. Uh, I tell you one thing I do like, Neil, like we're, we're jumping on the board here. I do like the REIT market, uh, i.e. in terms of buying a building and, and, and being a landlord, uh, you know, buying to REIT some of the international real estate and let, letting the pros like Brookfield Asset Management run it for you pay me the dividend and see the uh, asset appreciation. Yeah. But let's go back to student housing. Uh, here, here was a, pl- a plan that I think is doable for many many individuals. Uh, first of all, I, I agree with Jack. First year students, your best, if you can, live on residence, makes sense. Get to know your uh, the fellow uh, students, uh, You know, get a meal plan, not have to walk so far to class, just get settled in year one. But uh, year two, I, I'm seeing it frequently. In fact, my son is probably going to end up living with his friend whose father is going to buy a home in London. Um, so come year two, what, what is doable, uh, uh, and Jack, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, there's going to be limitations on it. What is doable is if your child has saved some money. Uh, and I certainly hope your child has saved some money because you cannot start saving money too soon. And a lot of money goes through your children's fingers. You know that and I know that. So if they can hold some back, buy some stock, buy some mutual fund, buy some ETF, just do something and continue to do so and build some wealth. That's what summer jobs are all about. Uh, Then the parent can step in and do a matching program, but you don't even need to use your own money. You can take the matching program from the RESP uh, to to make a down payment on a home or some student housing. And then your son or daughter can become a land person, landlord, and have their friends live with them and pay them rent. 
And so a portion comes from the RESP, a portion. From, and now your child is an entrepreneur and they're learning some responsibility in life with the parent, of course, backstopping the equation. So uh, with, with that in mind, Niels, have, you must know clients who, do, who have pulled similar situations. And have you heard about that? Any success with it? Yeah, uh, a tremendous success, both in, uh, I've got clients actually in, in three different markets, Kingston, uh, University of Waterloo area, and uh, in London. And all three of those clients have bought uh, uh, investment properties while their child or children were going to school. And uh, it, 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 it absolutely was a good investment from an investment perspective. But you touched on something that it also does. That most people don't think of at the outset, and that's teaching the, the, the son or the daughter some management skills, some, uh, you know, responsibility of running, uh, the responsibilities associated with being a landlord. It's not easy. I'm a landlord, and there's a, it, sometimes it can be a pain in the in the patootie, right? So it's I think it's all around a, a win-win situation. And all three of those clients, my clients have children that tend to be a little bit older than yours, Wolf, but all three of those clients made a profit on the uh, uh, on the investment even after paying capital gains and hey, but they after the stu after the student left school did they continue to be landlords or just when the no. student graduated did they tend to they sold the property yeah most of the most of my experience with clients it's 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 a specific they do it for a specific purpose and they're not yeah. interested in being long-term landlords in in a in a set in a far away location right so and yeah so, so they flipped the property after three, yeah, four that, years. Uh, exactly. The whole REIT idea, yeah. that's a great way of uh, buying into multi-residential investment without having the hassles of, uh, of being a landlord. Hey, Jack, I, 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 want, I want to pivot over you, Jack, because I know you want to say something. Because you just did a lot of work on the REITs for the business, uh, continue to dig for new value, better value. What, what did you find, Jack, in the REIT space? Again, friends, REITs are publicly traded companies that own real estate. They have a portion of debt, portion of equity. They pay dividends uh, and they increase rents and they manage the project for you. Uh, Jackson, give you some of the uh, REIT ideas that uh, we're looking at right now. One in particular was uh, Canadian apartment REITs. And again, looking at that and Niels was saying, you know, there is a bunch of issues with, you know, being a landlord and if you don't want to be a landlord, don't want to have to deal with leaky faucets and toilets and all that kind of stuff and delinquent rent. Uh, Canadian apartment REIT was a name that is just a solid company that continues to execute. Um, we own for our clients uh, pro REIT, which is, you know, it's second tier markets, I would say, but the high quality management, you know, they're paying in and around 5%. And that's what I was seeing. So the higher quality REITs where you had some growth in rent, they're averaging around two and a half to three percent yields. The lower quality uh, reach you could get in and around five percent, which I think is a fair rate, especially in this type of environment. Well, zero um, interest rate. But again, when you say yeah, no, when you say lower quality, again, yeah, let's let's back up. They're they're talking about yes. towns like London, which is not as, yeah. you know if you tell a Londoner it's a lower town, easy on the lower quality. But yeah, <laughs> they're they're not they're not easy on. Uh, you know, you're talking about Ottawa, you're talking about London. Uh, I think they had some assets in uh, for further east. Uh, so yeah, but you, when, when you step into those markets, you're able to certainly get a slightly pickup in yield because they don't have to pay as much for the asset. It's funny as well, guys. It, it's uh, Rents tend to be, I won't say sticky, but people get these, these rent biases from the town they're coming from. So I think you can get a disproportionate amount of rent in a student market versus the, the value of the asset. Is that correct, guys? Yeah, I, I, from my perspective, that's correct. Uh, and not only that, the school year doesn't last the whole year, but you normally get paid for the whole year. 
of course. Or you do get paid for the full year. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. thought it was a nine-month situation. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Jack. Yeah, yeah, the, before we, in the interest of time, Jack, give, give it. Let me throw back to you because I, I grabbed the mic from you there. Uh, in terms of other REITs, is this another uh, one or two REITs that are the new ones that you're looking at? Uh, Sure. Well, it's one name that, again, we've owned in the past, and you mentioned it on the charts looking very favorable, uh, Prologis REITs. So everyone knows that things are going online and distribution centers are very important right now. Uh, so what does it do, have, Jack? What does uh, Prologis REIT do? It's distribution centers. So basically for Amazon and the like. So they have some of the, the best properties, highest quality, best locations, um, and, and best pipeline available. It's a, it's, a, um, it's a company down in the States as opposed to a REIT. But like I said, it's yielding 1.9%. Uh, it just came out with earnings, which were quite favorable. Um, and they came out with really good guidance too, showing additional growth going into the future. So it's a $94 billion company. So like you said, if you want to own global assets, global real estate, everyone knows how um, local real estate has done here in Canada. But if you want to go global with your portfolio, we certainly have ideas uh, that take you there. Yeah, well, Niels, you know the stock that we bought, uh, and again, you being a client, you publicly announced that, so you own it with us, is Simon Properties. Uh, Simon Properties is one of the largest shopping mall landlords in America. Uh, shopping malls went a little cool. COVID made them cold, but cool through online shopping. But nonetheless, um, massive um, cornerstone real estate. Uh, that asset, Niels, is, is trading at about a 40% discount to where it traded at about two years ago. I repeat, it's about 40% off its high. Uh, so there's certainly in the publicly traded real estate markets, Brookfield included, you can buy world-class assets. Now, they may be offices and shopping malls, but world-class assets at great discounts or again no no issue on the junction but or you can go to the junction and pay two million bucks for 25 foot of frontage that's again where i see disconnects in marketplaces but again a value investor does just that you know those who bought the junction early who saw regentrification coming did very very well i saw that with people buying in little italy 15 years ago along college street um but same with the likes of brookfield asset management blackstone uh, asset management blackstone's a private equity company that jack and i own in our portfolios as well they have time horizons of five to ten years so they would be the likes do the likes of buying assignment property putting it away for five or ten years and getting a two three four bagger out of it applying some intelligent leverage along the way to really juice the returns they're very good at making those moves uh i throw i throw it back to you Niels, with some final comments on the market yeah i mean it, it, it's if we could predict where the gentrification uh, was going to happen, uh, it, we'd all be quite well off. I remember walking the beat on Queen Street in 1976 as a young policeman, <laughs> and uh, my gosh, people then were saying Parkdale is the next hot location, and, and 40 years later, they're right. Yeah, 40 years. Yeah, because I remember Parkdale in, in the late 90s. Um, and it was quite seedy uh, in the late 90s. Uh, yeah. And then the regentrification came along. Uh, so it does happen. But can, can you be patient enough to write it out? That's where diversification in the world of investment comes into the equation. If you're able to spread your money around, uh, you can have some long runway uh, germination ideas, and you can have some immediate uh, the success, uh, instant gratification ideas. Uh, diversification does matter and it helps protect you. Niels Christensen, Managing Director of the Christensen Group, uh, a team of experience, uh, full-service luxury residential real estate brokerage located here in Toronto. Niels, always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks, my pleasure. More show, my good friends. Hi-Fi Radio, Global News 640 in Toronto. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Oh, it's such a cool song. You know? Indeed. It's Hi-Fi Radio and Global News 640 in Toronto. That's what the show is all about. Jack and I want you to have a lot of it uh, so you can take care of yourself. You can be happy. Uh, money solves a lot of problems. And, uh, you know, money can be the root of all good. And on uh, this show, that's the focus. Goodness. Indeed. Uh, Javid Mirza, he's a uh, managing director, uh, technical analyst. Um, with Canaccord Genuity. Uh, technicians are becoming a rarer breed because uh, to have a good technician, you must well, pay the price. Uh, you must pay the salary of the employee to do the work, and that's what Javit does. And I'm delighted that Canaccord is uh, smart enough to continue to support that uh, discipline of money management. Again, uh, technical analysis about looking at charts, it looks at volume, it looks at trends, it looks at uh, moving averages, it's trying to get a pulse for the market based on historic data, and that does matter. Uh, fundamental analysis, which also matters, looks at good businesses, and you know why would you want to own this business? Is it a brand? Is it a mode, et cetera? When you put it all together, that helps you build solid portfolios, and that's what we do here at Hi-Fi Radio. Working very closely with Javit, uh, helping us get some... Uh, clear perspective on direction. Delight to have you on the show this evening. Javit, how are you, my friend, and welcome to the weekend. I'm doing super. Thanks, as always, for having me on. Uh, one thing I would add to the description of a technical analyst is I think is we look at one of the most important things that you can't value from a fundamental perspective, and that's human emotion and sentiment. Uh, you know, the, the, that's a very, very powerful statement. Um, we, we often have a behavioral finance guest uh, on our show, and uh, it, it's amazing. Jack, I know, likes to spend a lot of time uh, studying human uh, behavior, uh, cognitive biases, blind spots, um, yeah, recency bias, etc. And it, it's very, very important. Um, you know, the uh, the story doesn't change; only the characters change, uh, and, and and that's why the markets really have not changed. Uh, you know, automation, uh, digital trading—it doesn't matter. It is still all controlled by people. We say it's been. I remember three years ago, the narrative was, "Oh, it's the machines doing the trading." Sure, it is. They're executing the trade for the monkey that entered the order. Um, so at the end of it, uh, yeah, human emotions uh, do matter. Uh, so uh, tell us, what are you seeing on a uh, emotional scale? I mean, are we getting too emotional with the market? Has it gone too far? Uh, or is it, are we relatively sober, um, you know, just digesting lots of liquidity and, you know, an improvement in economic activity due to uh, a better handle on the COVID situation? Well, it's funny. I think we're at uh, an inflection point here. It, what we've seen on the sentiment uh, side is that sentiment has actually started to come off. So investors are not as bullish as they used to be. Uh, so that's one positive, uh, which actually supports more upside. The only thing that has us cautious is, as you're aware, our, our longer-term cycle work suggests that a new – our work suggests that a new cycle began December 24th, 2018. Uh, you know, you've had us on for the last couple of years, and we've been really bullish uh, on the markets during that time frame. 
uh, we're actually starting to get a little bit cautious because that cycle is getting long in the tooth and it should come to an end later basically the second half of this year or early next year and what i mean come to an end typically you see a 10 to 15 percent uh, really bigger correction that lasts more than uh, one or two weeks typically lasts around 34 weeks but the, the good news is uh, once we get that through that bigger corrective phase that's looming then that'll set up the next four-year cycle and i'm actually really excited to see what that will bring about because this one we saw you know all the innovation with electric vehicles so i'm excited to see what will come about uh, and what will be the driver of the next uh, four-year cycle you know that's an interesting observation because uh there has to be it's amazing um uh, something i learned when i got on onto bay street uh was they, they were using a word uh, that, that I do very frequently, very well from my advertising days when I was a, in the broadcast sales business. Um, and that was the word marketing. And I'd often uh, speak to them and I'd call up an analyst and say, well, we're marketing today. I said, I don't understand. You're an analyst. What do you mean you're marketing today? Well, we're out on a roadshow with our client. Uh, and, and so companies do promote themselves um, you know, the, the, in various ways. And when you study marketing, you learn about that anything from goodwill advertising to pull strategies, pull strategies, uh, and the likes. But uh, they, they will also market to the street, uh, to Bay Street and Wall Street, to get them interested in their company. Um, and, and when you get a strong narrative, uh, these companies no longer really need to promote themselves because the narrative drives it. So when 3D printing was all the rage, if a company said they're getting a 3D printing business, their stock popped. Uh, recently, if companies said they had Bitcoin on their balance sheet, their stock popped. Uh, as you mentioned, Javid, the electrification of automotion, uh, auto, auto, uh, the automotive industry has been a strong driver. Uh, let me throw it to you, Jack. Uh, again, I want you to think forward here. What, based on your pulse of the market and people, what do you think the narrative may be for the next cycle uh, to help uh, entice some enthusiasm towards a, a new leg up? I think the uh, the ESG theme probably has some legs left in it. Uh, you see how important, obviously, the environment is to everyone. Um, especially when you have a, a running bull market, people tend to focus on those types of things at the end of them. And we talked about it last week, Wolf, you know, the, the bull market that started, Javid's talking about the four-year cycle uh, resetting uh, in 2018. But you could you could say that we have a secular bull market going on. Yeah, from sorry, sorry, Jack, the, the, ES, the ESG theme is what? Um, it's environmental, social, and governance. So it's, it's focusing right. on the importance of, you know, the environment. And like I said, people at the end of a bull market tend to focus on those types of things. When you're in the middle of a bear market, they're just trying to survive and obviously get through the, those difficult times. Yeah. And again, the social part um, is, is what a company is doing uh, to be a good social citizen in terms of hiring practices, in terms of charity. Uh, and then governance is who's running the company. Um, uh, if you're old, if you're white, you're a threat, my good friends. I mean, your job <laughs> is being threatened, uh, right? Old, white, you're in big trouble. Uh, none of, uh, boards are changing. Uh, women representation is rising. Uh, uh, visible, uh, uh, visible minority groups uh, is rising. That's what the world wants to see. Uh, and they're pushing for it. And so those companies that can demonstrate uh, the ESG theme uh, certainly uh, have had legs. Uh, it went quiet during COVID. Uh, we'll see, of course, if it uh, does help propel the market forward. I still think this uh, EV theme uh, has a lot to do with, with the market. Um, but bring it with a quick break, uh, Javit. I do want to talk to you about a couple of uh, specific names here. Maybe you can do a quick look on your charts. Um, one is the lithium trade, uh, LITM watching. And then a couple of industrial stocks that uh, Jack brought to my attention. One is Train, T 
ACT and the other is OTIS, O-T-I-S. Take a quick peek of those. Uh, give us your opinion uh, right after break here on Global News 640 Toronto. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Ah, uh, meet Dusty Hill. Rest in peace. Rock and Roll lost another great one. What a unique band that was when they came out. And uh, I do recall uh, Gillette, the word was Gillette offered uh, each member, I think a million dollars back in uh, the mid 80s. I think it was a million dollars to shave their beards. And they said, forget it. It's all part of who we are. And they stuck to their brand. <laughs> Years later, I saw, uh, I, I'm not sure if it was Dusty, I saw one of the members on CNBC talking about his stock portfolio and how much he liked buying stocks it was just incredible uh, to see uh, the likes and by the way Vic Jagger first turned to 78 years old is a very successful man a very smart man to boot and he continues to well uh, I won't use the word milk maybe I will milk his brand why not uh, you know these uh, business people uh, develop these brands slow and steady over decades and that's where the real fruit comes in uh, to the equation it's no different than uh, the market if you buy great businesses and can think like Warren Buffett which I don't think anyone truly can, but we can learn. Uh, and you hang on to these great quality brands, businesses uh, for the long haul. And if you really like them and you buy the weakness every now and then, you'll do, you do just fine. I'm speaking Facebook. I'm talking Google. I'm talking JP Morgan, Blackstone, uh, good quality businesses. But there's a space that's uh, catching my attention. Uh, uh, and it is the lithium space. Of course, it's a play on uh, electrification, electric vehicles. Uh, so there's an ETF, LIT, it trades in the United States. Javid uh, is our uh, resident uh, market technician. Uh, so during the break, he was uh, taking a look at the charts. Uh, what do you see in the lit trade? Uh, would you dare get long here, Javid, or has it run too far uh, and you know, you're going to have a pullback? What's your opinion on it? Well, so we like this uh, and, and what's contained uh, in, in this ETF long term. So recall from our outlook piece at the start of the year, we actually highlighted two ESG themes. And uh, the first one was TAN, which was the solar ETF. And the second one was REMX, which is very similar to lithium. It's got a variety of lithium names. But the bottom line, the key takeaway uh, as Jack alluded to, is this ESG theme from what we're seeing in the longer-term charts has legs. So, sure, you're buying it here at, at new all-time highs, but from a technical perspective, we like that because we like to, to buy uh, at new highs that's showing signs of strength. And uh, definitely, yeah. these themes uh, have longer-term legs, we think, out in the secular bull market that our view says has uh, upside in the 2030. So, sorry, the other one that you mentioned then was a solar play, and the symbol on it was TAN, T-A-N. That's pretty funny. Yeah, so it's, uh, it, it is, uh, a lot of, <laughs> they're getting pretty clever with these names, but it's, uh, it's broken out as well, and it's a really strong, it's had a pullback here, obviously, with 
a lot of the growth names, but uh, it, it's starting to, to push higher again. Yeah. Um, well, what else is catching your attention? I noticed on your note this morning, and the listener's not getting it out, but uh, uh, smaller companies, uh, ladies and gentlemen at home, uh, smaller companies over the long term outperform bigger companies. It gets to the law of averages. When a company is an Amazon, Google behemoth, how much more can they grow? And those companies continue to defy logic and grow at very good clips. But it's that small, scrappy company. Uh, when I'm speaking about that, a company that's worth a billion to $5 billion. That's a company that can have really good hyper growth, you know, seeing sales rise 30, 40, 50% for a number of years. Um, the small cap space has been quite cold. The large cap space, those big blue chip names, continue to dominate the markets, pushing them higher. Uh, in, in your note that I caught the last two days, Javid, you're seeing small caps wake up a little bit. Uh, please speak to that. And are you referring more to Canada, the United States, or are you speaking both sides of the border? Uh, it's both sides of the border. Uh, and what we've been highlighting, uh, as I'm sure you've been reading, Wolf, over the last two weeks, is that what's been really leading the market higher has been large cap growth. So the really big uh, blue chip uh, U.S. mega cap names. And what I would say, and we've we've highlighted them in our notes as well, so like Apple and Microsoft, obviously strong companies, uh, but that's that's been at the expense of a lot of these smaller cap names. uh, And we've seen broadly this negative divergence where it's just been those bigger names leading the market higher while the rest of the market has kind of languished. But you don't see that in the index because it's making new highs. In fact, we saw the same situation in August of last last year. And then we found out later what was going on was SoftBank had bought a bunch of calls and that's what was driving up the market. But in general, um, they've been kind of languishing, as you said, and and have been cold for the last, uh, call it two months. But we're, for the first time uh, yesterday and today as well, we're starting to see these guys perk up, which is a sign of strength for the broader market because you want to see broadly all stocks participating in the advance, not just uh, a select few, because as Warren Buffett himself has been through, you know, in the 70s, we had the nifty 50. And uh, as we all know, Wolf, that doesn't end well. You know, it's amazing. I, I just uh, I do a daily radio show as well, just uh, out of market stuff, giving a business wrap on the day. And I went through this week's FANG stocks, uh, uh, Apple, uh, Google, and I think Facebook reported as well. What caught my attention, again, Apple, Google, I think Facebook, all three companies had quarterly sales, quarterly revenue in and around 50 to $60 billion dollars. Uh, billion in sales for a, I couldn't believe the numbers. They, you know, every, these numbers get thrown at us, and we've almost become immune to them. But when you stop and think about the number, it, it truly is remarkable that these companies are able to sell fifty billion dollars in advertising, seventy billion a quarter. Oh, it's incredible. The show is Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, Jack Carl, uh, always been doing a great job setting up our guests. Uh, Jack, we're going to be back in the office, I think, come September. Uh, a little back to normal. Uh, I look forward to seeing you. I lost a bit of hair. I'm sure you grew a little bit. Um, so it's, it's all good, my friend. Javit, uh, our in-house technician, market technician, it's a real pleasure. Uh, thanks for helping Jack and I manage clients' money. Uh, you are a real asset to our business, and our clients really do appreciate all the good things you help Jack and I do. Friends at home, stay safe, be well, be good, work hard, save, invest. We'll help you get there. We promise. More show each and every Saturday, Hi-Fi Radio, 640 in Toronto. <laughs>
You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.